everyone. What a privilege for me to be with you and to see some of my uh, great friends throughout the years, those that uh, I have just admired and appreciated and loved. Uh, through the years and whenever I come back onto the campus instantly I have those flashbacks to some wonderful memories <laughs> wonderful memories <laughs> of, uh, of, of wonderful memories of, of great times uh, here on the campus and uh, next door at that first church uh, I was uh, been there maybe a, a year and a half and uh, the district uh, had a Sunday school tour. Dr. Charles Strickland came on on the tour and um, he got there early. We were going to have a big banquet down in the gymnasium and we, um, uh, I went down to greet him and, and so he had been riding in the car all day long so he wanted to just uh, uh, kind of pace around the gym, just walk around the gym, just kind of loosen up before the banquet started. And So I was just walking with him and, and he says, well, how's it going? And and I said, oh, Dr. Strickland, it's just awful. I mean, it's just so hard. Dr. Strickland, you don't know. I said, I, you know, we don't have enough money to pay our mortgage payment. And I can't have staff. And if I can't have staff, because I, I don't have any money, then I can't have program to get more people. The only way I can get more people is to have more programs. The only way I can get more programs is if I have staff. And yes, I, I just know what I'm going to do. This is awful. And, and he goes, well, there are no easy assignments. They don't make them anymore. <laughs> oh, isn't that so true? Uh, but uh, those, the easy assignments, they're all taken up. They're all gone. And so it seems to, to me that the Lord has provided uh, for every one of us a real full plate of responsibilities and demands upon our lives that require the very best of us. Um, I want to uh, just express to you how appreciative I am of what you are seeking to do here at Nazarene Bible College. Uh, having spent uh, those years here as, as a pastor and, and personally closely related to the Bible College, teaching classes and being involved in its very life and ministry, uh, I, have, I came to the conclusion that the most significant ministerial preparation available today in the church would come right through Nazarene Bible College because you're dealing with mature students which helps a lot and and uh, but you are you're not just uh, dealing out uh, of a vacuum you have wonderful life experiences and resources that that actually provide the finest ministerial training uh, for these uh, uh, young men and women who are pursuing the calling. And, and so uh, wherever I go today, I brag about Nazarene Bible College and the critical role it plays in ministerial preparation. So I, I would say to you, uh, forward, brave hearts, uh, uh, continue the great work you're doing. Now, uh, in terms of the influence that you have, let me just share with you a passage of Scripture out of Philippians chapter 2. And uh, if, you, if you have the word with you or uh, copy... I'd invite you to turn to chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. <clears throat> and by the way, uh, if you uh, have a chance, go to discipleship.nazarene.org uh, on, on, uh, on the web. Just go to discipleship.nazarene.org right there. And if you will click on there, I have a special message for you. 
okay? I'll, uh, you just click it on and I'm, I'm talking to you. So check that out. Yeah. <laughs> and that, actually that was, it's a new site as November 1 of last Saturday. So we're kind of excited about the Discipleship Summit uh, webcast that is available for the world. There are video clips of the general superintendents there. There are video clips from Grandma Barnes. There's uh, video uh, resources that you can be used greatly in a small class, a Sunday school class, uh, and even in worship services. Okay, uh, first, I mean, Thessalonians chapter, chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is a, just an interesting expression, isn't it? Why would we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Salvation? Well, well I thought that was a, a good deal for us. Why would we work that out with fear and trembling? God is good. All the time, God is good. We believe that. We know that God is good. And his, his, his whole motivation towards us is goodness. So why would we approach the whole issue of salvation with fear and trembling? Uh, we know God is love. All the time, God is love. We know God is love. He, he manifests uh, his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if God is so good and so loving, why is there this salvation work to be worked out with fear and trembling? I, uh, I submit that it's more than just God is good and God is love. Why don't the angels sing good, good, good? Why don't the angels sing love, love, love? Why do the angels sing, holy, holy, holy? There's a holy God that through the blood of Christ, we, we have the boldness to approach this holy one. But it's just not a slam dunk that we would presume upon God's goodness and upon his love, for he is holy, holy, holy. Then, Paul goes on to say, for it is God who works in you. Wow, that is just an incredible truth. God is at work in you. Would you turn to somebody and tell them, God is at work in you? Tell them. God is at work in you, my brother. Amen. Preach it. Tell them. You know, that, that, I think that has got to be one of my favorite verses of Scripture. God is at work in you. That is good news. God is at work in you as you deal with the students, as you expand your influence in their lives, as you become his instruments, because this reality is God is at work in you to will and act according to his good purposes. So I don't think that we are here just by mere circumstance or by... Um, by just some whim, I believe that the God who is at work in you is directing your paths and shaping your influence and using you powerfully in ways that are far beyond your own comprehension because he is at work in you. Because God is at work in you, Paul then goes on to say, 
in verse 14. <clears throat> Do everything without complaining or arguing. <laughs> Do everything without complaining or arguing. But, but I was... Everything without complaining or arguing? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. <laughs> we are on this incredible journey of becoming like stars in the universe. And you become a star in the universe of those that you serve as you hold out the word of life, as you minister to them, as the God who is at work in you is shaping you, causing you to become like his uh, shining stars in the darkness of our world. Well, how do you think it is possible to do everything without arguing or complaining? At Nazarene Bible College? <laughs> Given, given our situation, given our circumstances, uh, given our faculty and staff, is this a possibility? I mean, I mean, come on, let's get real. Why would we have this uh, instruction to do everything without complaining or arguing if that were not a possibility? Well, obviously this is uh, rooted right in the great kenosis passage in, in Philippians chapter 2, in which verse 5 says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In other words, the way you think, your mindset, should be the same as the mindset of Christ Jesus. Well, what if we were always thinking like Jesus? If uh, our mission statement is to make Christ-like disciples in the nation, in order to, to make Christ-like disciples, we, uh, we must be Christ-like disciples, to be Christ-like in our thinking. If we're Christ-like in our thinking, could we do everything without complaining or arguing? Let me share with you just four quick things that I would suggest you might consider in terms of your approach to uh, your, your life, your work, your ministry as leaders who are influencing those that you impact here at the school. The first thing, uh, Jesus had this incredible mindset of doing everything to the glory of God the Father. Look at verse, uh, verse 11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus recognized that everything he did was to the Father's glory. And he was always giving thanks that God heard him. He was filled with the spirit of giving thanks, an attitude of gratitude. He, he was characterized by this mindset of this is not about me, but this is about so that God, the Father, might get glory. An interesting thing about the Trinity is they delighted in giving glory to each other. And one of the reasons their joy was so complete, so full, was that they were about giving glory to the other. What would happen if, uh, as a team, you actually saw that your role was to help others to give glory to them rather than about your own glory. 
woe. And uh, giving thanks. Have you ever tried arguing and complaining and giving thanks at the same time? <laughs> there's a conflict there, isn't it? It's just kind of hard to do. If, if you and I would begin each day reminding ourselves that, that uh, inviting the Spirit of Christ to help us have the mindset to think like Jesus. So what are we going to do today? We're going to, oh, bring glory to somebody else. Give glory and praise to those around us. Doesn't that kind of, um, kind of pull the plug on some of the complaining and the arguing? Because we are always thinking about others rather than ourselves. And giving thanks to God, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. But, uh, and turn over chapter 4, verse 6. You know, there are many things <clears throat> that we could be anxious about. But Paul tells us, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You want to move to... Uh, 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 a setting, a, a situation where there's uh, not a lot of complaining and arguing going on, let it be filled with thanksgiving. A prayer of praise and thanksgiving, it changes uh, our, our mindset, the way we think. Then look at um, chapter 2, verse 3. Um, Jesus had this incredible mindset of servanthood. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. And in the original, this is so strong, it, it, uh, it almost leaves out that phrase, uh, not only your own. And so each of you should look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Ooh, it's very strong. But that's almost so strong that you know you couldn't handle that. So we say not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. But but Jesus had this mindset that I am your servant. So I used to have a staff guy here in Colorado Springs. I'd call him, and he'd say, "What do you want?" <laughs> I was sorry I'd called him. I had another guy I worked with, he'd pick up the phone and he'd say, how can I make your day better? Wow, <laughs> what a wonderful way to respond. Um, so, what would happen if you and I cultivated this attitude of being a servant? A servant, a leader who serves. You see yourself as servants to others. Uh, not thinking of others more highly than you should, but of others as better than yourselves. I am interested in serving you. So, what would happen if when you walked in tomorrow morning, you said to the first person you greeted, how can I make your day better? And then after you pick them up off the floor, you can start. <laughs> what would happen if, if you say to those that you, your colleagues or, your, or the servants, I mean the students that you serve, how can I make your day better? It, it's, it's a mindset. It's, a, it's, a, um, uh, it's, a, it's the way of Jesus. 
Jesus did not come to be served, but to be the servant of us all. And for us to truly have a lasting impact, it will involve not only having a life that's filled with praise and thanksgiving to the Father, and, and with this attitude of uh, incredible gratitude, but it, it has this, this humble servanthood. Now, it doesn't mean that we are floor mats and we just let people walk over us. And we're not talking about that. But we are servants. And the way Paul put it is, I am your servant for Christ's sake. Amen. I'm not your servant for your sake. <laughs> I'm your servant for Jesus' sake. And because I'm seeking to be like Christ, I want to serve you and be interested in what is going to help you. You know, in, uh, in my setting, uh, it, we've been so uh, spread out across the, the headquarters campus that sometimes we just never saw each other and had very little uh, communication and it was easy for us to become isolated silos. But then to intentionally be Christ-like to one another, to say, you know, we can't just go down this path without considering how this impact influences others. We have got to talk to each other and serve one another, consider the interest of others. Wow. You think that would help any with complaining and arguing? <laughs> it makes a difference when we consider the needs of others. But let me show you an, a third uh, uh, attitude that Jesus manifested, and it's found in chapter 4, verse 8. Jesus had this expecting faith. It was a confident, expecting faith in, in the midst of struggle and resistance, of ridicule, of, of, um, uh, of impending death. Jesus had a confident, conquering, positive, trusting faith. And it's reflected in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Three dots, and the God of peace will be with you. Wow. Sometimes when we're not at peace, we're all stirred up on the inside. It could very well be that it's related exactly to the way we've been thinking. Paul says, think about the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable, the excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things, and God's peace will be with you. For instance, the true. If we talk about the, um, you, you think about the things that you can count on. Think about the things that are not going to let you down. God's love. God's goodness. Ah, you know what? All of a sudden, the anxieties that flood our lives. You know, think of how far he's brought you already. He, <clears throat> pardon me, he's brought you this far. He's going to continue to keep out working you. So think about that. Anxiety levels decrease. Think about the noble. Appreciate God's worth. He is, he is so worthy. He's that work in our lives. Think about the right. What is What's God's will? What's God's plan? Uh, um, if I'm thinking rightly, I can do rightly. Think about the pure. Oh, the cleansing purity that comes through the washing of the word and, and the blood of Christ in our lives. 
you know, one of the great qualities or, or uh, 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 characteristics of our doctrine is that our hearts are purified by faith through the washing of the word and the blood of Jesus Christ Amen. cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. What a good thing. Think about the purity. And when those, when those thoughts, those, those challenges, those situations that would cause you to, to become anxious or fretful or, or temptations come your way, just begin to intentionally praise the Lord. Amen. Give Him thanks Amen. for the cleansing power of His Word. And think about the lovely. This is more than just thinking about pretty things. This is thinking about the things that are truly enjoyable. In, enjoy the love of God. In your mind, are you enjoying the reality that God is at work in your life? Amen. That God, God hasn't just abandoned you. His spirit is at work, and you can enjoy it even in the trials. Consider it all joy when you suffer these trials. Why? Because God is at work. Think about his loveliness and his faithfulness to you and, and deeply enjoy the things of God. Think about the admirable. Mm. When you have an enemy, somebody who resists you, you know, we do have enemies. Uh, I didn't think we would have enemies. I didn't want enemies. But we do have enemies. People that just are not seeking your, your well-being. But think about those people that may resist you in life. Now, consider an admirable quality in them. What a new way to think about even your enemies. There are admirable qualities in others. And when you begin to think about the admirable, what does that do for you? It lifts you up. It brings peace. The excellent, oh, wow. To be characterized by a spirit of excellence, to think about greatness, the greatness of God. God in his greatness. And then he invites us to move beyond greatness. So Neil Wiseman took me out to lunch and he said, uh, you know, the difference between average and greatness is just a little bit. <laughs> oh man, boy, that really helped me a lot. <laughs> but it motivated me to, to say, man, I got to do better than I'm doing. Think about the excellent greatness is within uh, the realm of your life because of the great God who is at work within you. And think about um, the praiseworthy, celebrating God's goodness in your life. You know, when you think this way, what happens? And the God of peace settles in upon your heart. And then you face the challenges, the trials that are enormous, that are overwhelming. And somehow, you know you're not in it by yourself because there's not a day that goes by that he's not with you to the end of time. It is almost impossible for me to overstate how incredibly important it is for you to intentionally think rightly. Uh, here's the old story of the, of, the, uh, of the psychology student drafted into the army. And he was given the job of passing out apricots in the chow line. And as the soldiers came through the chow line, he would say, you don't want any apricots, do you? And 90% of them said, no, we don't like army apricots. So then he changed his approach. And he said, 
You do want some apricots, don't you? And about half of them took apricots. And then a third approach with a big smile and a winsome um, uh, manner. He said, one dish of apricots or two. <laughs> and in spite of the fact most of them didn't even like them, 50% took one and 40% took two. I can't tell you how incredibly important it is for the level of peace in your life to have the mindset of Christ, to think on the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable, the excellent, and the praiseworthy. And God's peace helps settle every issue in your life. Well, see, now, if you are involved in uh, praise and thanksgiving with a spirit of gratitude, and you see yourself as a servant, servants have no rights. They don't argue, they don't complain, they just serve. And if you understand, it's all how I think in terms of my response, then do you think you might move a little closer to doing everything without complaining or arguing? But Jesus had one other, uh, one other uh, attitude that's found right there in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. If you have any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. The predominant characteristic of the body of Jesus Christ was, behold, how they love one another. Amen. Love covers a multitude of sins. And when the predominant characteristic of Jesus the Christ was this unconquerable, benevolent, self-giving love for us. But you don't know what that person has done to me. You don't know how difficult it is to work with that student. You don't know. Let me ask you. Uh, let, let, let me. Uh, this is what I know. I know that you have been hurt. I know you've been treated unfairly. I know that people have been unkind to you. And that there's been pain in your life. You know how I know that? Because everybody gets hurt. And that seems so unfair. That seems so unjust. But here's my question. Do we ever go wrong when we treat others better than they deserve? Isn't that precisely the way God in Christ Jesus has treated us? Treating others better than they deserve because that's the way I've been treated. And he invites us to treat others that same way. So in the 1300s, in Scotland, there was a king by the name of Robert the Bruce. He died in 1329 at the age of 54. And on his deathbed, he let it be known that his, his final request was that, that um, his heart would be taken by some worthy knight on a crusade to the Holy Land. So when he died... James Douglas was standing there beside him, and uh, James Douglas took upon himself the request of his king. Had the, the heart removed, had it embalmed, and placed in a little capsule, and he put it on a chain, and it hung around uh, his neck and carried it inside his armor. And the next year, in 1330, James Douglas sailed with an army from Scotland to Granada, Spain, and there he engaged in a battle with the Moors. And it was in uh, uh, a particularly... Uh, ill-fated battle, defeat 
was certain death was imminent and in that moment James Douglas reached inside his armor and he pulled out the heart of his king and he threw it into the midst of the enemy they were surrounded and he shouted follow the heart of your king or as one historian put it forward brave heart as ever thou were wont to do and Douglas will follow the heart of his king or die and to this very day it's said that the motto of the Douglas clan in Scotland is forward brave heart and I would say would that be a great motto for each of us as we seek to have influence that is beyond our classrooms, beyond our own responsibilities, as we seek to have the, the mindset that was in Christ Jesus, if we follow Jesus in the way he was filled with praise and thanksgiving, as he was a servant, as he had this positive, expecting faith, uh, thought rightly, all covered with love, that he has changed your life and mine. We need to follow his heart, his mindset, and so I would say to you, forward, brave hearts, follow the heart of your king. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord, for these, your servants. I thank you that you are at work in them, and they are seeking to have the mindset that you have. And for what you're doing in each of us, making us more and more like you, transferring us from one degree of glory to another, I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.